I hope you're still as happy when I'm finished. <laughs> and the chaplain told me I could have two-minute overtime. Now, that's awesome. <laughs> Complementarity of truth. I've been researching this for about 50 years. And I believe that the refusal to honor the complementarity of truth is one of the most widespread sins in the church, as well as in the world. And so I have to make my case, so let me pray. Lord, give me a voice to speak and the students ear to hear, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I tell my students that when you preach, you've got to define your terminology. So what is complementarity of truth? Some of you may have never even heard of it. Well, complementarity of truth is that there are two items, two poles in a polarity that don't seem to jibe but they still do. In physics, you can talk about light, which is a particle and a wave. And somebody said it is a wavicle, and they try to synthesize that with words, but they cannot synthesize it in reality. Now, two theoretical physicists um, Heisenberg, you know about him, of course, quantum physics, and Einstein, general theory of relativity, began to see that there is also a complementarity of truth. There is the universal, and that is general theory of relativity. And there is the brute particular, and there is the quantum. And Einstein says, you cannot just reconcile them because they don't belong together. And he just poo-pooed Heisenberg at first, but eventually he recognized that was the greatest mistake he made. It's there. But how to explain it? Well, Stephen Hawking says, we've got to find a grand theory of everything in which we try to put the universal and the particular together. I wrote on that, and he admitted that he failed. And the only way you can get out of it, he said, is the M theory. But of course, most people poo-poo that. So somehow, you are not able to synthesize the universal and the particular. Now, when you go into theology, you find exactly the same thing. God is one, and God is three. Now, how are you going to synthesize the one and the three? And because you are members of Covenant College, I assume that you say, well, that is a mystery. And that is absolutely correct. Now, the same thing, and that is in the early church, they tried to put it together, Sibelius and uh, Arius. Arius say there is the one but you cannot comport it with the three, so he threw the three out. And Arius said there are the three, 
but you cannot comport with the one. So he threw the one out. And brothers and sisters, that ravaged the church. Ravaged it. And when you go into the Reformation, you find exactly the same thing. Sovereignty and responsibility. Sovereignty, God is the universal, he controls everything. Responsibility, you are a particular and you have freedom. They don't mix. And there you have hyper-Calvinists who say, well, forget about individuality. And you have Arminians who say, forget about universality. And you know it ravaged the church. Now the question is, why do people believe they are contrastive? University and particularity. Why did Einstein think it was contrastive? Why did Sibelius and Arius believe they are contrastive? Why do Arminians believe they are contrastive? Well, here is the issue. When Adam had you fall into sin, he said, you know, if you eat of the tree, you are able to determine your own knowledge and your own conduct. And so, ladies and gentlemen, when the contrastiveness comes in, when people put it in their mind. You put the one in the mind and the three goes out. You put the three in the mind and the one goes out. Einstein, you put general relativity in your mind and quantum physics goes out. And that's what Satan was able to accomplish. And the moment you are going to put the truth of God in your mind, you're going to tilt one way or another. And if you tilt very much, you either kill the one or the other and you capsize. Sibelius capsized, Arius capsized, Arminianism capsized, Hyper-Calvinism capsized. And that is why I asked the chaplain to read Deuteronomy 29. The secret things belong to the Lord. And you better get your ethics in straight. Don't ask for the essence of God. Now, why do I mention that? Because, ladies and gentlemen, why do you think there, are, there is that polarity of the universal and the particular? Why is there that polarity? Well... Everything that you see in reality is a reflection of the triune God in his being and in his functioning. They call it the ontological and the economic trinity. In terms of his being, God is one and many. Now let me ask you a question. Can you solve that? How the two belong together? No. Are they contrastive? Of course not. So what is that truth? It is transrational. Our knowledge has a limit. You don't sacrifice it, but you recognize the limitation. 
And Sibelius did not do that. Arius did not do that. Hyper-Calvinism doesn't do that. Arminium doesn't do that. It's still logical if you have the one, you cannot comport the other. And so your logic reigns. Now, how are you going to solve it? Well, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says, don't try to penetrate the essence of God. Well, how can you have cognitive rest, emotional rest, mental rest, ethical rest, <laughs> volitional rest? How can you say, yes, Lord, well, I have it. You know why? Because I put it in my heart. And the funny thing is that God says in Ecclesiastes, God put eternity in your heart. It is not a Motel 6 single occupancy, okay? It's a Hilton double occupancy. So in my heart, there is that universality, God is one, and, God, and the particularity, God is three. There is the sovereignty, part of the universality, and the responsibility, the particularity. And it fits into my heart very beautifully. Now, even the unbeliever says, well, <laughs> if light is a wave as well as a particle, you might as well live with it even if we cannot explain it, and we can cause a wave call, but we know that it is pulling the wool over your eyes because the two are really not in the same ballpark. Now, why is there peace between universality and particularity? Because there's peace in God. But it's transactional. And the Bible said, don't try to enter into the secret by secret things. Do what I tell you. Ah, so it is not essence we are after, but we are after ethics. So now what is the answer for Sibelius? And what is the answer for Arias? What is the answer uh, for Arminius? What is the answer uh, for hyper-Calvinist? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is why I am a gospel apologist. I am not, first of all, interested in your worldviews. I'm interested in the world viewer. And you're blind. And you're dark. And you will always walk with Stephen Hawking. How do we get those two together? He said, when we get those two together, universality and particularity, we have the mind of God. And that's what he wanted in the first place. So every time... You have a complementarity, and you try to solve it, you want to play God. And when you play God, and you write books and books and books how to do it, you're not listening to what God tells you to do. And so I promise you, the more you go after essence, the less obedient you will be because you spend all your time and all your energy to comprehend the incomprehensible and to penetrate the forbidden. And when I look at literature, 
throughout the history of the church. Reams and reams of books have been written. I think of Aquinas, who tries to solve that. Did he neglect? Well, he neglect enough that it would take a reformation. You see what I mean? So what is my apologetics? Well, my apologetic is a gospel apologetics. Ladies and gentlemen, I talked about this here before. If you do not have a new heart and you make your mind ultimate, you're going to fail. You're blind. You're dark. If you have a world view, the funny thing is in world, in unbelieving world views, they'd always try to solve the one and the many problem. And that is what Coppelson says. All of philosophy has only one purpose, namely to solve the universality and particularity problem. Now here is of course an issue because I, I would have to explain it at length, and I don't have the time for that here. But I think Coppelson is right, and people have picked up on that. They said, yes, universal and particularity, how do you get it together? However way you slice it. If I may give you a very simple um, uh, example, when, when uh, Supreme Justice Thomas was up for hearings, he said, I believe in natural law, universal order. And Biden said, I also believe in natural law, particularity, particularity. And there was a contrast, and there was a war between the two of them. And I promise you, if you try to put universality and particularity together in politics, in economics, in sports, wherever you do it, it's always a war zone. Think of the people who are in charge of businesses. They have to, they, they, they have to run into strikes. The universal! And they say, no, the particular! And it's a war. And it's exactly what Isaiah tells us. If you apostatize from the living God, you get oppression and you get rebellion. Oppression Regimentation, Putin, Xi, Tehran, get rid of the particulars. And if you're on the other side, a particular, get rid of the universal. Burn, baby, burn. Now, do you understand? It's in the home. It's in the family, between husband and wife, parents and children, elders and members. Every time you try to crunch universality upon people from an apostate point of view or an unbelieving and, and point of view, then, then people are going to rebel. And when people rebel, just like in the French Revolution, there was a universal Louis, uh, I think it was Louis XVI or whatever, and then the rebellion came and they guillotined and they destroyed them, and it was a chaos. So you either get the regimentation or you get a chaos. You got regimentation, you got chaos, and Napoleon said you cannot have a chaos, and he returned with the universal. 
and you also see it here in, uh, in our, our politics. The Democrats are more for universality, and the Republicans are more for, for particularity, and it's always, always a fight. And Louis Panetta, one of the men who was in the Clinton White House, said, you will never be able to reconcile them. Aha! You cannot reconcile universality and particularity with your mind. It's impossible. And if the heart is apostate, you get either regimentation, oppression, or you get chaos. Now, I wished I would be able to talk about that very practically in life. But you know what the interesting thing is? If you are in the area of universality, like Putin, huh? he doesn't care about particulars. He sends his people as cannon fodder in order to make his universal the only particular. It's amazing. And he doesn't care about anybody. The barrage of missiles that were sent against the infrastructure in the Ukraine. The universal must control everything. Whatever the collateral damage is. And the other side, the particularity must control everything. My particular is the universal. Say, for instance, that you're homosexual or a lesbian. Now, I love sinners, okay? That's, that's the issue. This is uh, theology, all right? First of all, they say we won't have a place at the table. Our particularity ought to be honored. What do they say now? Our particularity must become universal. So if you don't want to bake a, a, a cake for a, a, for, a, for a homosexual lesbian couple, uh, then you've got to be you're expendable. You've got to be destroyed. The hatred in the heart on the part of pure universalists is thus that you're willing to kill everybody to make your universal the top. And for the particularity people, uh, the hatred is so much that they are going to kill every universal, including the Ten Commandments. Now, that is the, that is the world in which you live. And I'm sorry for you. Because when I grew up, there was still an agreement, yeah, there are universals and there are particulars. But it's becoming more and more defined and push, put to the top. Universal, particular. And that's why Eastern Airlines was destroyed. I could give you reams of examples why the people who went in the universality direction did not care about any particular. And the particulars, they didn't care about any universal. Burn, baby, burn. And that's the... the you are in a very close community. 
But if you look in the, in, 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 in the news, you're going to see that, and you see that. I call it a vicious dialectic. When you turn away from the Lord, you become apostate, and you are going to uh, uh, become an oppressor, or you're going to be a rebel. And the interesting thing is, you try to put them together because they are both there, and you're nearly there, and, they, and it fails again. So it is a Sisyphus labor to roll the stone all the way to the top, and it drops down again, and you have to start over again. Every philosopher who tried to put the one and the many together was buried by his successor. Every one of them. You failed, you failed, you failed, you failed. It's a philosophical graveyard. Plato, Aristotle, Protinus, Kant, Hegel, Heidegger, the, big, the biggies, the biggies, the icons, they're all in the graveyard by their successors because you did not succeed to put the two together. This is what I call covenant college education, that you become transcendental. What makes a worldview a worldview? And what makes a world viewer a world viewer? And a world viewer is determined by your heart. If you have uh, the heart of Jesus, and you know that if I speak to, an, to a, a, a company like this, there are always people who don't know Jesus. I've been 62 years in the, in the ministry, and I have never seen an audience like this where there was where there were where there where everybody was a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, you have a cobra heart, and you either become a universalist as a father or as a mother, or you become a particularist as a child. It's my, me, me, me. It's my universal. It's my particular. How do you solve that? Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you have the heart of Jesus, you say the universal is there to make the particulars to thrive. And the particulars are there to make the universal to thrive. And I think of Boaz. He loves the particulars. He walks among his people and says, I hope the Lord will bless you no end. And when he meets a particular called Ruth, he supports her. And you know what the particulars say to Boaz? I hope you get rich. Can you imagine a business who says, Ivy, you want to work with me? I want you to thrive. And you say, no, no, I want you to thrive. And if you don't have the heart of Jesus, when do wars and, 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 and fightings come among you in the home? with your roommates, your particular is the universal, or your universal is the particular, and you think you synthesize them, and God says, no way, Jose, you cannot synthesize them because it is a mystery. And the only way you can, you can embrace them both if you have a heart in which both of them fit to a T. Even Ecclesiastes 3, if you don't understand everything, it fits there to a T. So if I have the heart of Jesus and I am in charge of you, I want you to thrive at my expense. And if I'm a particular, I want a college to thrive at my expense. 
And that is self-denial. When the wars come among you, is it not because of the pleasures that are in you, the universal pleasure or the particular pleasure? Well, I don't even know what time it is. It's overtime. <laughs> you know, I think when you have fun, time flies, right? <laughs> well, my question, I, I have to stop. I have written about it. And let, 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 let me tell you, you either have the heart of Jesus or you don't. If you have a cobra heart, you hate God and you hate the neighbor, and it's either you universal or you're particular that is going to rise to the top. Me, me, me. And you listen to Jesus. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God, God, God. Give me today my daily bread just enough. And me, I'm not a very good soldier. Me, I'm, a, I'm not a very powerful. Me. But yours is the power and the kingdom and forever. God, God, God. So the, Lord, the Lord's prayer. God, God, God. Me, me, me. God, God, God. And we say, me, 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 God, 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 me, me, me. That's the difference. That's the difference. And you're either going to kill people with your universality or you're going to kill people with your particularity. And if you say, Lord, I want both to thrive, just like Jesus. Oh, oh, oh. He did not just die on the cross. He was incinerated on the cross. For me, for you, incinerated. A dead animal had to be, ki had to be killed. And he said, now put your body as a living sacrifice. Not like a dead animal, but a living sacrifice. And you say, my I, I want God's universals. The Ten Commandments. I want God's particularity. And if you want God's universal and God's particularity, then you reflect the, de the being of God, the, the ontological trinity, and the economic trinity. Well, I think my time is up, right? <laughs> I'm so thankful that he didn't kick me off. But anyway, you understand, this is on my heart. And if you have any more questions about it, I don't want to become a universal to kill all particulars. I don't want to become a particular kill all the universals. I don't want to do it. I want to bow before the triune God. And Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. And if a cobra heart here is, I put it on the cross. Jesus, kill, kill it. So, so that I'm born again, I have a heart transplant that I get from him through his resurrection. And now I look at the world totally differently. I'm no longer blind, but I see, and I want to do what you tell me to do morning, afternoon, and evening, 24-7. Would you like to pray in closing? No, I want you to pray. <laughs> it's an order. You can be loud. Even if they hear you. All right. Let's, let's pray. Father, will you uh, embed these truths into our hearts by the power of your spirit? Will you give us ears to hear? And will you give us a desire um, above all else for you? We pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.